welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friend. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and as always, I'm so glad you're here with me today. We are continuing on in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. We're working through Matthew chapters 5 through 7, and we're working through one of the greatest sermons ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever preached. So if you are just joining us for the very first time, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You're not missing anything. You can, each episode on the Sermon on the Mount can stand alone, but they obviously do build. So I'd love you to go back and listen to past episodes. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're only on the fourth episode today, so we're not too far in. You can find them all over at my blog at thankfulhomemaker.com, and you can hover over my Christian Living tab, and you'll see a, a tab come down from that that says Sermon on the Mount series. You can click on that. They're all there. You can also just subscribe if you're listening to this on whatever podcast um, app you're listening to, subscribe, and that way you'll get all the episodes automatically so you won't miss any. So we are on episode 89 today, and it's titled The Meek Who Inherit the Earth. We're working through Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, which states, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Obviously, you can see I'm not too creative with my titles, but it works. (laughs) So Jesus is stating here, meekness is a characteristic of those who will share in his kingdom. This is probably one of the hardest beatitudes. The first two we work through, being poor in spirit and mourning over our sin, dealt with our response before the Lord. But this one deals with our relationship and interactions with others. This can be a place that's challenging for us, not just outside our homes or out and about in the world, but within the four walls of our homes. It is opposite everything, ladies, the world would tell us. The world looks at success through power and ambition, being driven and self-assertive, taking a stand, taking control, demanding your rights, taking pride in your accomplishments. And then Jesus comes along and he tells us, whoever would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This kind of thinking is a complete contrast to the natural way that man's mind thinks. Entrance into the kingdom is the greatest treasure. It is the pearl of great price. But it involves a hard way of living that is not in line with the world we live in. We will be at odds with the values and goals of the world. We won't be people who are going to be driven to success at all costs. That's not going to be us. But it's going. we're going to be those who allow the Lord to give it to us. Our verse says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It is given, it is not taken over. God's word also makes it clear that the characteristic of meekness should be our response to God's truth, to his word. In James, it tells us in James one twenty one 
Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Peter also tells us in 1 Peter 3, 5, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness, also translated meekness, and respect. And the Apostle Paul lists meekness as one of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, verses we know, pretty much most of us by heart. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or again, meekness there, self-control. Again, such things there is no law. We see Paul telling us, I love that we see Paul. We see Paul telling us it should be our spirit when we're correcting others. In Galatians 6 1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And then again, here in Colossians 3 12, he tells us here's our put on verse, right? Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. The Lord promises to bring about blessing in our lives through this characteristic of meekness, and not only to our lives, but we share that blessing with others that we come in contact with as we live out this beatitude only by the supernatural work of the Lord in those of us who are in Christ. Remember, we talked about this in the introduction episode. Matthew is writing for a Jewish audience. He intentionally puts these beatitudes in the beginning of his gospel. The Jews had a kingdom in mind that the Messiah was going to lead them to a military victory. They're being dominated by a Roman government, and they're looking for a defeat and freedom from this oppressive rule that they're under. And then Jesus comes and he tells them, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is opposite what the Jews would have been thinking here. Blessed are those, basically it's saying, who don't trust in their own strength and abilities and powers. And Martin Lloyd-Jones reminds us in his most excellent commentary on the studies, it's called Studies in the Sermon on the Mount, of the story of Gideon. God reduced the numbers of Gideon's army. He didn't increase them. The victory and the way the victory came about was the Lord's. And meekness comes about for us as we have an accurate assessment of who we are before the Lord. As we remember that we are just but dust. And I want us to bring us back to that reminder that there's this progression in the Beatitudes. When we understand, and I'm going to bring us back to this every time, when we understand that we are poor in spirit or we're spiritually bankrupt before the Lord, it brings us to the foot of the cross with open hands saying to the Lord, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. We sin against the Lord and we mourn over it. And this leads our hearts to a spirit of meekness, humility here, ladies, We have nothing in and of ourselves to offer God. There is no one good. No, not one. Only God is good. And as we understand this, we mourn over our spiritual poverty. 
And then this is where meekness gets a hold of our hearts. We know that there is no place in our lives for arrogance and pride. It begins again here. I'm bringing it back when we have an accurate assessment of ourselves before the Lord. There's nothing to boast about in and of ourselves. Everything we are and everything we have, everything, everything, I'm emphasizing that, is only because of the Lord. This should bring about the attitude of meekness in us. As we work through these Beatitudes, they increase in difficulty. As Martin Lloyd-Jones stated, he said, I am aware when I'm honest with myself of the sin and the evil that are with me and that drag me down, and I'm ready to face both these things. But how much more difficult it is to allow other people to say things like that about me. I instinctively resent it. We, all of us, prefer to condemn ourselves than to allow somebody to condemn us, end quote there. So let's define meekness. Meekness comes from the Greek word praus, which is defined as a mildness of disposition or gentleness of spirit. And this particular translation is used four times in the New Testament. And one of them is in 1 Peter 3, 4, where Peter is addressing wives with unbelieving husbands. This We have been going through 1 Peter in our Sunday school class. My husband has been um, working through for us. He's been leading it. And it, it has been such a good study. It's a great book to read. If you're looking, if you're not sure where to start in God's word, read First Peter. It's a great place to just to camp in for a bit, ladies. If you're just in a lull or you've stopped reading your Bible, grab First Peter. It's a good season for it too. So, but this particular, I'm coming, I'm going a little rabbit trail there, but this particular area in First Peter where, where it's addressing the wives with unbelieving husbands, it's referring to an inward grace of the soul. And it's referring to those who don't trust in their own power and, and I love this, whose strength is their gentleness. So meekness, we often hear it defined as power under control. And in the case of a spirit-filled believer, this means that he or she is under the control of God's spirit. Um, meekness towards God is a disposition of the spirit, which we accept his dealings as good and we don't dispute or resist them. I always think where we talked about that before, about being under the control of God's spirit, it's like, I want I want to be spirit controlled. I don't want to be Marcy controlled. That's what we're talking about here. So from a practical standpoint, the individual who is pros, that our Greek word for meek, exhibits a freedom from malice and bitterness or any desire for revenge. The only way to truly define meekness is in the context of relationships because it's referring to how we treat and interact with others. A gentle, trusting spirit should characterize our relationship with both man and God. Meekness or gentleness also implies self-control. You know, the fruit of the spirit is a package deal there. When we come to Christ, we are giving the fruit of the spirit. They are not plural. It is singular. So the person who is meek is able to balance their anger. The meek person is strong. Again, it is strength under control. They are gentle and meek and mild, and they can be firm if needed, or even express anger when appropriate, but it's always in control. Meekness implies submission to God, 
but it's not a passive submission that shrugs its shoulders and says, you know, oh, well, I can't do anything about it anyway, but it's an active submission. It's a choosing to accept God's ways without murmuring or disputing. And I think here how many times that I may outwardly seem to accept God's ways, but how many times do I do it with a heart that isn't fully content, but it's complaining, not outwardly, but inwardly. So meekness or gentleness is the opposite to self-assertiveness and self-interest. It's not aggressive. It stems from trusting God's goodness and control over the situation. And the meek or gentle person, it's they are not occupied with self at all. This is truly a work of the Holy Spirit and not of the human will. Okay, so this was my extra, extra long introduction. And I just wanted to give us a good, quick overview of meekness and what it is and defined as. And now I want to dig in here and talk about what meekness isn't. We're going to start there. So meekness It's not being a coward or having a lack of conviction. It's not being complacent or timid or the willingness to have peace at any cost. It doesn't mean that you're indecisive. Okay, I'm indecisive a lot. That doesn't mean I'm meek, all right, (laughs) or wishy-washy or you lack confidence. The meek person is gentle and mild in his own cause, but he may be a lion in God's cause or in defending others. So meekness is not somebody who's introverted or shy or has a withdrawn personality. And meekness cannot be reduced to niceness. It doesn't mean being weak or timid. And again, it doesn't mean you don't ever speak up or take a stand for truth. That's not meekness. And I want to, Martin Lloyd-Jones explain this because when we talked about niceness, I have a quote here from him. He said, there are people who seem to be born naturally nice. That is not what the Lord means when he says, blessed are the meek. That is something purely biological, the kind of thing you get in animals. One dog is nicer than another, or one cat is nicer than another. That's not meekness. So it does not mean to be naturally nice or easy to get on with, nor does it mean weakness in personality or character. And still less does it mean a spirit of compromise or, quote, peace at any price. How often are these things mistaken? How often is the man regarded as meek who says anything rather than have a disagreement? End quote there. James Montgomery Boyce stated that meekness is actually compatible with high spirits, courage, and great strength. And as we stated earlier, meekness comes from the Greek word pros, and it's translated meekness or gentleness. It was a hard word to find a suitable English word for this original Greek. Some of its other usage in the New Testament will help us grasp a deeper meaning, such as in 1 Peter 3, 4, where we talked about earlier with the wives with unbelieving husbands, it's translated as a quiet spirit. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, it's translated as lowly or humble in heart. In 2 Corinthians 10, 1, it's forbearance. In Ephesians 4.2, it's humility. So if we kind of look at that together, we talked about gentleness, having a quiet spirit, being lowly or humble in heart, forbearance or patience, that would be humility. Those all give us a better grasp of the meaning. And also this Greek word here, use for meek, was also used to describe an animal that was domesticated. 
And the example there would be of the taming of a wild stallion. It's describing this powerful animal that now obeys by the tug of the reins or a word from his master. So someone who is meek has learned self-control. Their anger and their passions are under control, under control of the master, under control of the spirit at work in them, right? Under control of God. They will know the proper time to be angry when there's something wrong or unjust and when not to be angry. It takes a strong person under the control of the Holy Spirit to have self-control and self-discipline in really challenging situations. We've all been there. Those who give themselves over to complete control of the Lord will inherit the earth. So I have this really long quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones because it's just really good. I feel like Ed Sullivan when I say that. We have a really, really good quote coming here. So it's long. I'm going to put this whole quote in the show notes and at the blog. I'll link to that. Obviously, wherever you're listening to this on your podcaster app, or if you're listening on the site, you're going to see it already there. So if you're looking at thankfulhomemaker.com and you're on my website, you can read this along with me, but I'm going to put this whole quote in the show notes. So Martin Lloyd-Jones said, the meek man is not proud of himself. He does not in any sense glory in himself. He feels that there is nothing in himself of which he can boast. It also means that he does not assert himself. He does not make demands for his position, his privileges, his possessions, his status in life. See, especially there, Philippians 2.5. The man who is meek is not even sensitive about himself. He's not always watching himself and his own interests. He's not always on the defensive. We spend the whole of our lives watching ourselves. I'm breaking in the crowd here to tell you to really, as I'm reading this, because I'm reading this and pondering this to myself, think of yourself. Put yourself in this quote. Think of your mannerisms, how you react to things as I'm reading these words from the doctor here. I'm going to continue on now. But when a man becomes meek, he has finished with all that. He no longer worries about himself and what other people say. To be truly meek means we no longer protect ourselves because we see there is nothing worth defending. So we are not on the defensive. All that is gone. The man who is truly meek never pities himself. He's never sorry for himself. He never talks to himself and says, you are having a hard time. How unkind these people are not to understand you. He never thinks, how wonderful I really am if only other people give me a chance. Self-pity, what hours and years we waste in this. But the man who has become meek has finished with all that. To be meek, in other words, means that you have finished with yourself altogether and you have come to see you have no rights at all. You've come to realize that nobody can harm you. John Bunyan puts it perfectly. He said that he that is down need fear no fall. I love that. He that is down need fear no fall. So when a man truly sees himself, he knows nobody can say anything about him that is too bad. You need not worry about what men may say or do. You know you deserve it all and more. A person who is of the type that I have been describing must of necessity be mild. Think again of the examples. Think again of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
mild, gentle, lowly. Those are the terms. But it also means that there will be a complete absence of the spirit of retaliation, having our own back, or seeing that the other person pays for it. It also means, therefore, that we shall be patient and long-suffering, especially when we suffer unjustly. But it also means that we are ready to listen and to learn, and that we have such a poor idea of ourselves and our own capabilities that we are ready to listen to others. Above all, we must be ready to be taught by the Spirit and led by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Meekness always implies a teachable spirit. It is what we see again in the case of our Lord Himself. Though He was the second person in the Blessed Holy Trinity, He became man. He deliberately humbled Himself to the extent that He was dependent entirely upon what God gave Him, what God taught Him, and what God told him to do. He humbled himself to that, and that is what is meant by being meek. We must be ready to learn and listen, and especially we must surrender ourselves to the Spirit. And he continues, I'm almost done here. Finally, he says, I would would put it like this. We are to leave everything, ourselves, our rights, our cause, our whole future, in the hands of God, and especially so if we feel we are suffering unjustly, end quote there. And I'm going to take a sip of water. So catch your breath with me. Thank you for that. So it is having an attitude that accepts all of God's ways as being good. We are trusting the Lord, ladies. We are trusting the Lord. It's not having a spirit of rebellion, and it's not going to retaliate when we've been wrong. It's recognizing God's sovereign hand in all the circumstances of our lives. The doctrine of the sovereignty of God has been the most comforting and reassuring to me in my studies as I walk with the Lord. I highly recommend you read Trusting God by Jerry Bridges if you've not yet. And if you have already read it and it's been a bit, give it a reread. It had it just really gave me such clarity into God's sovereign hand at work and all the details of my walk with him. I picked it up during a really trying season of my life, and I'm so grateful I did. So my friend, whether it's a good day or a, a really hard situation or hard circumstances, it's us knowing that every moment of our lives have been ordained by a God who loves and cares for us. And think about that. He cares for me, not just in the seemingly big or important situations of my life, but even just those ordinary day-to-day moments, which as we talk so much about here at Thankful Homemaker, is where the majority of our lives are lived as Christian women and wives and homemakers and mothers. And what I really want us to grab hold of here is imagine the changes in our homes. Imagine what would take place if we were truly living out by God's help this characteristic of meekness and our relationships with others. Again, God wants us to be meek and not just with those outside our homes, but those within the four walls of our homes, with those that we have the closest relationships with. It begins there. Think about the changes that would take place if we were loving and serving others just as the example that the Lord Jesus laid out before us here to follow. So as God reveals to us areas of our pride and our self-sufficiency, and he continues to humble us, 
so we can be used for his glory. And in the midst of this, he's changing us and he is developing in us this characteristic of meekness. The more we open our hand and we give him control and we trust him, knowing that all the areas of our lives are being worked out for our good and his glory is the moment that he's going to use us for his glory and for blessing the lives of others. So when we grasp, friend, what true meekness is, we're going to find ourselves looking beyond our circumstances and we're going to be bowing before the Lord, knowing he's using all things to continue to remove the dross from our lives and mold us more and more into the image of our son. And the more we come to know of God and his character, the more we trust him in all the details of our lives. We're going to find ourselves not getting caught up in the temporal but looking to the eternal. And I'm thinking 2 Corinthians 4.18 there. And this is why here, I'm always pointing us back to studying God's word and the importance of it on our own. It is so important for us to know who God is and in light of who he is, what he desires of us. Meekness remembers that we were dead in our sins and without hope and without a savior until the Lord reached down into the darkness of our sinful hearts and he gave us a new heart to love him and to seek him and one that can now obey him. Meekness remembers that God is holy, he is perfect, and he is just, so it bows before the Lord in humble submission. Meekness trusts the Lord and it does it without grumbling or complaining. It's reminded that we can now turn the other cheek. We can love our enemies because all that comes about in our lives, it's been permitted by a sovereign God who's in complete control and has purpose for everything allowed in our lives. Meekness can say confidently and with trust in the Lord, not my will, but yours be done. A meek person can patiently bear wrongs done against them. When a meek person is angry, it's because God's name is being maligned or someone else is being harmed, but it's not because of what's been done against them. And Jesus is our perfect example here of meekness. Matthew eleven twenty nine tells us, it says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus is telling us, Jesus was always meek. He was always gentle and mild. When confronted by Pilate, he was silent. He restored Peter to fellowship after Peter denied him. He called Judas the betrayer. He called him friend. It tells us in 1 Peter 2.23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That's a lot of J's there. Jesus was meek and mild, but Jesus was a lion when it involved the welfare of others or the name of his father. I have that picture of him here running out the money changers in the cleansing of the temple in John chapter two, verses 14 to 17. And it's a picture there of zeal for his father's house. It was the temple was not to be taken advantage of by the religious leaders looking to make a profit from God's house. And then again, right in Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 45, the picture there of Jesus when he healed the man's withered hand. He rebuked very, very um, firmly the Pharisees' hard hearts there. 
So when we look at this whole picture of Jesus in the scriptures, and again, that was just a really small glimpse. I'd love you to study some of that on your own. But we see a Jesus who is meek and gentle in spirit because he trusts God. And we also see a Jesus who possesses self-control, but takes a bold stand for truth when needed. So the response of someone who is meek is like Jesus's. Lord, you're in full control of the situation. You're sovereign. You rule over all things. And your purpose for allowing this situation is to make me more like Christ. So I want to take a quick moment here to address our bitterness. And I know you're going, Marcy, we're talking about meekness. Why would we switch to bitterness? Because bitterness comes into our hearts and lives when we fail to be meek. See, it it usually begins when we fail to give thanks to the Lord in all things. And all things usually is those hard situations or trials or difficult relationships. We become better because someone hurt us or disappointed us or broke our trust, and we weren't able to keep our eyes on the Lord and his sovereign purpose in all things. Even in the truth of knowing that he allowed that difficult situation in our lives for purposes that we don't fully see or understand in this moment. And honestly, maybe we'll never fully see or understand why we are on this earth, but we need to come before the Lord and bow our knee before him in humble confession and repentance and say, Lord, your will be done. Confess to him regarding this root of bitterness that has sprung up in you and seek his forgiveness. Seek him to help you forgive whoever has hurt you or deceived you or sinned against you or in some way or for whatever bitterness you're holding in your heart towards this person or situation. Or maybe it's actually towards God himself that you're harboring bitterness. Think about things like if this person is lost and doesn't know the Lord, pray for their salvation. Maybe you need the reminder to your own heart that it's only by the grace of God that you go. And if this person is a fellow believer in Christ, they've been forgiven by God. If you're in Christ, you've been forgiven by God. So in Christ, we've been forgiven much. We can forgive much. And being meek is the cure for overcoming bitterness toward God and others. Just listen to to this. I'm going to give a list here of some character traits of those who are meek. And assess yourself here. This is what I did with this, just assessing myself here. So some other character traits of those who are meek are they are teachable and they're ready to listen to others. They acknowledge they don't know everything. They will have hearts ready to submit to the Holy Spirit's work in their lives. They will be patient and long-suffering. They will have a quiet and trusting spirit. They won't demand their way and their rights. They won't seek revenge or retaliation. Romans 12, 19 comes into my mind there. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. They don't make demands. They're not always on the defensive. And the reminder from John Bunyan gave me a good summary here. It's just a good summary to remind as I close that list there that he said, he that is down need fear no fall. So our verse continues here. The meek shall what? They shall inherit the earth. What does that even mean? So those who are meek are going to be content. 
The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 4.11, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And he continues and he says, I have nothing, yet possess all things. And Paul tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, that all things are yours, whether the world or life or death or the present or future, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. Dear Christian, we have already inherited the earth. When we look to the future aspect of the meaning here, we see in Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17, that we are heirs with Christ. In verse 16, it states, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. In 2 Timothy 2.12, he tells us if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Again, if we suffer, and Martin Lloyd-Jones tells us, don't worry about your suffering. You be meek and suffer, and you shall reign with him. You are going to inherit the earth with him. My friend, we can't do this in our own strength. It is only by the work of the Holy Spirit in us that we can be poor in spirit, see our utter sinfulness, and mourn over it, and that produces in us a right view of self. Martin Lloyd-Jones stated that as Christians, those of us who have repented of their sins and put their faith in Christ alone for salvation, that we have no excuse for not being meek. It's not something we do. It's the character produced in us by the Spirit at work in us. Matthew 23, 12 sums meekness quite clearly. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. God blesses the humble. He will lift us up in his way and in his timing. And James Montgomery Boyce stated, I am not meek, and I shall never become meek by any amount of effort. The answer is that, of course, it is impossible by your own effort. This characteristic is not in man, but it can be created in a man by Jesus. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew 11, that's from Matthew 11, 28 to 29. He, he continues, Jesus can do what you think is impossible. He can teach you meekness, and you will find rest for your soul. And quote there. So we're going through all this. But how do we become meek? You're like, okay, Marcy, that's great. You just told me all the things meekness is. How do we become meek? First, we must be born again. I want to ask you, I want to ask you this, not do you know God, but are you known by him? Does he know you? Are you truly his child? We are all created by God and in his image, but we are not all his children until we are born into his family. I'm thinking John 1, 12 there. Friend, have you seen yourself as a sinner? Have you confessed your sin? And sin is anything that you think, say, or do that's not pleasing to God. And have you turned from it in repentance and faith and put your trust fully in Jesus Christ alone for salvation? If you have, 
He will make you his child, and he, by his grace, will make you meek in his time and in his way. If you're his child, I need to remind us that a gentle spirit is only possible by by his grace at work in our lives. Ask the Lord, pray, get on your knees, get on your face before him and ask him to give you a spirit of meekness, to have a teachable, humble heart that trusts him, knowing that everything in your life is to make you more like Jesus. And then as we yoke ourselves to Jesus, we're going to learn what it means to be gentle and lowly in spirit. And R. Kent Hughes from his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, he shared that in biblical times, a young ox was yoked with an older, experienced ox to train him to perform properly. By bearing the same yoke, the untrained ox learned the proper pace and how to heed direction of the master. And we learn by being yoked to Jesus as we surrender our lives to him for directions. So my friends, we must be born again. We must seek the Lord with hearts that are teachable to learn from him and to yoke ourselves to Jesus and surrender our lives to him. And last, the words of Martin Lloyd-Jones here state it perfectly. He said, how can we know when we are truly meek? How can we know? Martin Lloyd-Jones tells us the man who is truly meek is the man who is amazed that God and man can think of him as well as they do and treat him as well as they do. And R. Kent Hughes commented on this. He said, The test as to whether we are truly meek is not whether we can say we are poor sinners, but rather what we do when someone else calls us vile sinners. End quote there. So I pray, my friend, that the world can see hearts of those who profess Christ not retaliating, but responding in gentleness and responding boldly when needed with self-control and hearts that are desiring to glorify God and lift him up and not lift ourselves up or stand up for our own rights. The paradoxes in the Sermon on the Mount call us to continually see our poverty of spirit, mourn over our sin, and respond to the world around us with meekness. When they see this strength under control and gentle spirit, that's when others around us are going to see Jesus. And the lost world around us needs to see Jesus. Our homes need to see Jesus. Our marriages, our children, our lost friends and neighbors, our church family, they need to see Jesus. And this, my dear friends, in the words of the doctor, is how the Christian is meant to live. And my reminder always... Jesus is enough. I'm so thankful for your time today. I know these are longer episodes and you know you can always break it up on your podcast app and I'm so grateful for you. And again, head to the blog for the full show notes. It's linked in your podcaster, podcaster, listen to me, podcast catcher app, wherever you listen to your podcast, I'll put it there. Again, if you're just joining in, I hope you'll spend some time reading through those Matthew chapters, chapters five through seven. And I give some thoughts again, how you can study along in that introduction series. You can find that linked in the show notes too. And my two top recommendations, always optional to deepen your time on this particular section that we went over today on meekness are, um, or is that book, Trusting God by Jerry Bridges. 
give it a read, give it a second read if you have already read it. And my freebie one that I hope you'll listen to is my pastor's sermon. I'm going to link it in the show notes. It was called Acquisition Without Assertion. I listened to it twice in preparing this time together. One kind of on my headphones when I was doing chores and one I just sat down and listened. It is just so good, friends. I'm biased, but our pastor Ross is a gem and I am so thankful to sit under his teaching. So again, if you head to thankfulhomemaker.com and you hover over the Christian Living Menu tab, you're going to see a link for all the episodes in the Sermon on the Mount series. And the best part is you can go through them on your own time when you have time to listen. So I am so grateful for you, my dear friend, and I pray you have a very blessed week.